Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. Another beautiful, coolish Wednesday here in the Highfield, and great to be back with you on this, the penultimate day of the month of Menachem Av. And that means that tonight and tomorrow, tomorrow night and the next day, are combined Rosh Chodesh Elul. So we're into tonight, the last day of the month, Friday, Thursday night and Friday, into the first day of the month of Elul. So it really means that we've got here a dramatic turn in our calendar that takes place over the next couple of days. And we have explained before, of course, the reason why there are two days of Rosh Chodesh is because there are 30 days of the month of Av. So whenever there is a 30-day month, the 30th day is actually the first day of Rosh Chodesh, and then the month actually begins. So the first of Elul is on Thursday night and Friday. The month of Elul means that we're one month before Rosh Hashanah, one month and 10 days to Yom Kippur. In other words, we are now into not only the uh, sort of the home stretch of the year, but really beginning the climb up to the high holy days. Because if those days are high and they're holy, we need to um, settle ourselves into a method of getting ourselves ready for those high holy days. And that, in fact, is what this beautiful month of Elul is really all about. We begin that month, of course, over the next couple of days. And as we enter into the month of Elul, so we enter into, as our sages have told us, into days of Rachamim, so it's days of mercy, and days of Ratzon. These are days in which we can put forward what we wish for, what we will, and we can also focus, and we need to focus predominantly on what Hashem's will is, what does God want from us? But it is a time when prayers are answered. It's a time of mercy. It's a time when God is readily available to hear our requests, our issues, our problems, our idiosyncrasies, the things that we would like to fix and correct, the things that we haven't quite gotten to this year. And, of course, the year was so heavily impacted by uh, the coronavirus, by COVID-19, a huge chunk of our year seems to have just flown away. It's just slipped away. And here we are standing on the brink of another Rosh Hashanah, another Yom Kippur, with one month to go. It is a time when we can plead for mercy and plead for a much better year and plead for God Almighty to take away any of the things that have caused us issues, problems, difficulties in the past year and to ensure, to help us to make sure that the coming year is one that is filled with God's rich and wonderful and beautiful blessings, brachas, or as we read in the last week, blessings, rather than God forbid the replacement of those blessings or the opposite of those blessings to think about the negativity, the curses and so on. So, what does it mean that these are the days of Rachamim, of mercy, and these are the days of Ratzon? They are times that are really, really honed, sharpened 
to be the most essential and important time, really, on the entire Jewish calendar. And let's think about what we need to do during this time, and perhaps we'll share some thoughts based on, of course, what our sages have told us, based on what it says in Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law. But to get us started, let's think about, because I have often mentioned to you, that at the time that the Jewish people were in the desert, from the time that we quit Egypt till the 40 years later that we arrived in Israel, was kind of a DNA microcosm, a foundation-laying um, arena for everything that followed thereafter in Jewish history. And this, of course, is no exception. Because if we're to think back to the time that we were in the desert, after we had received the Torah, we know that it was on Rosh Chodesh Elul, on the first day of Elul, so that would be Friday, that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses ascended Mount Sinai. So we have this idea, as I said before, that we're kind of going up. It is almost in a uh, reflection, reflective form, or metaphorically speaking, just like Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, went up the mountain. So we're ascending the mountain of God, so to speak, on uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul. And as we ascend the mountain, like Moshe did, he sat on that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, as we well know. And what he was doing up the mountain then was receiving the second set of tablets and bringing down eventually the Torah that would um, outlive um, everything, the Torah that would be the... Uh, <coughs> The real mission statement, not only of the Jewish people, but in fact, the entire world from then on in. And when did he descend with it, actually, in all its glory, was actually on Yom Kippur. So 40 days after Friday is Yom Kippur. And therefore, we're told by our sages that this period of time, from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur, this is the 40 days of the great heights that we can reach in our own souls, in our own beings, in our own lives, and a time when we really can and need to strengthen our connections with God, strengthen our connections with ourselves, and strengthen our connections with our fellow men. And in fact, it is a threefold mission statement that we have for these days in the month of Elul. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more in a little bit more detail as we progress through today's program. But let's suffice to say that we need to really be focusing during this period of time on three areas of our lives. First and foremost, what am I doing within myself and about myself? Secondly, what am I doing with my relationship between me and my creator, me and the Almighty. And how can I do things to make sure that that is much better than it ever was before? And thirdly, and in no particular order, by the way, it's not as though the one is more important than the other, but thirdly and simultaneously, what am I doing in my relationship with my fellow men? What am I doing with others, for others, and about others in my life and in the year ahead. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, 
probably the most difficult thing for each and every one of us to do is to really work on ourselves. It's a lot easier to find the issues, the problems, the faults with others, to focus inwardly and uh, try and think about making a reckoning or an accounting as we are told to do during this time, to do that cheshbon hanefesh, to do that soul cheshbon, that account of one's self, is not always that easy. It's not always that easy to recognize your own faults. It's not always easy to think about them, to bring them out. But this is something that we're obligated to do. And Torah really demands it from us. It's not just a, um, a matter of certain introspection, but it's actually trying to really sift through and go very carefully through the faults, the problems, the issues that I have to determine what they are, to know how they are affecting me, how they are harming me or harming others, and how I can focus on putting them right, on making sure that they are no longer the um, thorns in the side or the pains um, in the neck that they actually are for me or for others. This is something that I really have to do. It is a process that has broadly been termed tshuva. The Arizal, the famous Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, told us that it was comparable, this period of time, particularly the month of Elul, is comparable to something that was known as the cities of refuge. He tells us that, in fact, the month of Elul is encapsulated by the first letters of a statement that is made in connection with the cities of refuge in the Torah itself, where it says, Ba'asher lo tzada elohim ina What does it say? That when you commit an act inadvertently and it perhaps has uh, cost somebody else their life, it says that God ina leyado. God says, I have uh, placed the accident into your hand, and I have also placed for you a place that you can go to to gain the uh, atonement, to get the cleansing, to get the fixing. I can send you to this, in inverted commas, rehabilitation center, where you can spiritually be rehabilitated. And you may ask, well, why do I need to be rehabilitated if it was something that I didn't mean to do? Well, yeah, Torah really points out that actually we are not only responsible for the things that we do advertently, for the things that we do knowingly, but we are really responsible for the things that we do inadvertently. And a Jew has to ask himself the question or herself the question, why did that accident happen to me? Why did this problem fall into my lap? Why did this get in my way? Why was I the one who was there at that time? Clearly, this is something that my soul needed to go through. And if there was something that was harsh, that was difficult, that was problematic, even though there was no uh, cognitive um, uh, action that was taking place yet was not that I intended to do any harm or to hurt anybody, but just the fact that it happened, ah, it's happened to me. I'm the one who has now um, had this 
issue, this problem befalling me, befalling me, and this is now something that I therefore need to sponge out. I need to uh, eradicate from my spiritual system, and if I don't do that, I am perpetuating the issue, perpetuating the problem. The um, cities of refuge were, place, were places that one could go to to gain this help, to gain this exoneration, to have the teaching, the learning, the environment where, by the way, there were um, uh, priests, there were people there who were counselors, who were chaplains, who were spiritual advisors, and who could help me to gain the kind of exoneration and the kind of cleansing that was necessary for my soul even though these things may have been inadvertent. If we take the first letters of that statement, Inna leyado, Vesanti lecha, the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, points out that it spells out Elul. This is what this month is about, in, encapsulated in this idea of it being a city of refuge. This is a place that we can come into. There are, there is all sorts of immunity um, at this time. And of course, when we think about immunity today, we hope that we would have immunity from a lot of other things. But we're talking about a spiritual immunity that we have going into this month. We can come into this month. We can literally cry on God's shoulder. We can get much closer to God. We can do all the things that we need to do in order to gain that exoneration. And we have the opportunity now too. To spend a little bit more time um, in our spiritual environments. And yes, during uh, COVID-19, spiritual environments have been lengthened. They've been strengthened. They've been um, taken to the nooks and crannies where uh, they didn't necessarily exist before. They are um, not only in your uh, shuls and those environments, albeit <coughs> that there is a tempered return to shul that is starting from Rosh Chodesh Elul, thank God, in Johannesburg um, over the next couple of days. But more than that is the idea of us being able to go into <coughs> the environments perhaps that we have created at home. There is so much that is on offer. Uh, by way of shiurim or classes or uh, self-betterment programs, um, whatever it is, things that perhaps you had hoped that you would get to one day. And people have found, I think, that during this strange and unusual time, we have really found so much that we can really strengthen ourselves with. It is now, during this time of Elul, that we need to up the ante, as it were. We need to make it more part of our agenda, more focused on getting involved in all of these good and wonderful things that we have in the environment. Let's look at this entire period as being the city of refuge, the place that we can go to. It's a safe haven. It's an environment where we can gain so much and do so much and better ourselves, make ourselves better people, because wouldn't it be such a shame and a waste? If we were to go through all of this experience and, of course, we go to the, through the month of Elul and be standing on Rosh Hashanah and feel that, hey, I'm no better than I was before, that nothing has improved, nothing has changed, I'm exactly the same as I was, this whole, the whole object here and the whole program here is to um, help ourselves to gain that kind of teshuva, that return, that getting back to where we should be, that each and every one of us can and should be focusing on during this month of Elul. Now, our sages have further pointed out 
that the month of Elul can also stand for Ani Ledodi Vedodi Li. Everybody, I think, um, if you know a little bit about Judaism, that's a familiar statement. Ani Ledodi Vedodi Li. And what does it mean? Well, it was first quoted, it was first uh, written by King Solomon in uh, the Shir Hashirim, in the Song of Songs. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. Well, what a beautiful way of saying um, I love you and what a beautiful way of connecting two people together. But we all know that um, King Solomon was not necessarily only writing about a connection between two people who love each other, but he really was talking about I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. We're talking about our relationship with God Almighty, how we love God, how God loves us. You know, speaking recently to a bar mitzvah boy, uh, preparing for his bami and thinking about um, the tefillin that we put on. Our tefillin that we put on, in the tefillin it says, We've got to love the Lord our God. That is what it says in our tefillin. Of course, yes, quoted in the Shema that we say every day. We love God. But what is it that God has in his tefillin? Our sages tell us is that God talks about his allegiance, his pledge, and his love for us. He talks about the fact that there is no one like the people Israel. I love my people Israel. God pledges his love to us, and we pledge our love to him. Now, the way that we elaborate on and embroider upon the love channel that we have between ourselves and God Almighty is through our prayers. We have various prayers that we say every day, which don't just speak of um, our requests and the things that we want from God or the things that we're hoping that he will deliver us for Yom Tov and so on, but rather they are conversations and a channel of closeness, of interaction, of love between ourselves and God. And that is so necessary for this relationship to really appreciate what God Almighty is all about. And at the same time, we understand that God is appreciating what we are all about. And yes, God is significant and special, and you are significant and special. And the channel of this love is encapsulated in this beautiful saying, Anila Dodi Vadodi Li, I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me, recognizing that this is a channel. It is a two-way street. There is an up and a down and a down and an up. There is a, a relationship from us up to God and from God down to us. And each one needs to be full and needs to be proper and needs to be healthy. And in the same way as God continues to look after us and to provide us with all our needs and to provide us with the safe environment in which we can raise our children and the Jewish environment in which we can live and blossom and flourish and then some, so many beautiful things in this great and wondrous world, we too need to be aware of the fact that this is a two-way street. I need to pay homage to God Almighty. I need to recognize and Lord and praise my creator. I need to remember that I cannot accomplish anything if it is not for God's great and wondrous input. And I need to make sure that I recognize that on a regular basis, that I pray to God, that I pray about God, that I uh, spend time in a holy environment, even if it is 
a holy environment that I've had to create in my own home or in my own heart. These things are absolutely necessary to work on the relationship, to work on God and me. What we would call here the vertical relationship, the relationship between us and the Almighty. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. And the third saying of our sages on this um, principle of the month of Elul is Ish matanot A strange place at this time to actually be taking a quote from, but it comes from the Megillat Esther, the book of Esther, the Megillah, where we are talking about the miracle that was done on behalf of the Jewish people in the time of Mordechai and Esther, in the time of the rulership of the king Achashverosh and the wicked Haman, who wanted to destroy the entire Jewish people. Well, eventually the Jewish people were granted the opportunity to celebrate and commemorate this great miracle from year to year on the festival called Purim. And one of the mitzvahs that we do on the festival of Purim is the giving of gifts, ish, a man to his friend, and giving gifts to the poor, that too stands for Elul. It also stands for Elul, as does Ani Dodi Vedodi Li, and as does Ina Yadov Santi Lacha. And our sages go out of the way to tell us that it is incumbent upon us, it is necessary for us to realize how important it is to embroider not only on your vertical relationship, on your relationship with the Almighty, but also on the one that is between you and your fellow man. And your fellow man or your fellow woman is not only the dearly beloveds who live within your household or the ones with whom you have decided to set up a family or your own children or your own parents, but actually every single individual that is out there. Ish matanot Let's remember all of those out there and work on our relationships with our fellow man. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So what is it that we actually do and what is required from us to do from a Jewish point of view during this month of Elul? Aside for the idea of doing teshuva, besides for the idea of uh, fixing up our relationship with the Almighty, besides for the fact that we need to look at our relationships with our fellow men, there are several things that are done during this month of Elul to kind of bring it all home and perhaps even wake us up to the fact that the month of Elul is upon us. First and foremost is on Friday morning, we begin sounding the shofar. Now, the shofar was sounded when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses went up the mountain, and so perhaps there is a historic reason for it as well. But more than that, it is meant to be that each of the weekdays from now until Rosh Hashanah, from Friday till Rosh Hashanah, we don't sound the shofar on Erev Rosh Hashanah on the day before, but for the duration of the month, the shofar is sounded every day, usually at the end of davening, at the end of Shachrit in the morning, we sound a few blasts on the shofar, and it is a customary sounding which is there to wake us up, to remind us that it is Elul, to get us into the spirit of things. And so believe it or not, the sounding of the shofar actually will commence on Friday morning 
when the shofar will be sounded everywhere. Now, I know that many are making all sorts of plans, which are wonderful for people to be able to hear the shofar. The shofar will be sounded at most of the shuls around uh, the city and around the country and around the world. And I'm sure that your shul or a place near you is also arranging for shofar to be sounded at different times. I know in schools they're making arrangement for the kids to hear and so on. So it is wonderful to be able to hear the shofar. But remember, this is not the same as having to hear the shofar on Rosh Hashanah when it is an actual mitzvah that is incumbent upon us to do. Here it is something that we try our utmost to do, but it doesn't nearly carry the weight of the sounding of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. A second thing that is done is we increase in the saying of psalms. Now we know that the saying of psalms, the saying of Tehillim, is something that is done by uh, people for um, all sorts of uh, great, wonderful, and sometimes very sad occasions as well. The sound, the saying of Tehillim of psalms is a fantastic way of communicating with God, of telling God how much we love Him, and as King David wrote the psalms. We know that each and every one of them, every word was so carefully chosen to be real music. It provides the um, the lyric and the harmony and so on for our relationship with the Almighty. And therefore, we say extra psalms. Now, predominantly, the psalm that he said is Psalm number 27 that he said um, twice a day from Rosh Chodesh Elul. Onwards, right through until the end of the Chagim um, on Hoshana Rabbah, the end of the festival of Sukkot, when we stop saying it. And this is Psalm 27, which actually has embedded within it mention of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and so on. And so we do that as well, as well as the fact that there are many who say extra psalms every day in addition to all of that, starting from Rosh Chodesh Elul. But we'll be back to talk a little bit more about that and to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Aside for the sounding of the shofar, for saying extra tehillim, it is also a month during which we're encouraged, and it's even written into the Shulchan Aruch, that it's at this time that people who are concerned with making sure that they are really ready for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur should not only check into themselves, but they should check into several of their mitzvot. And two mitzvot, two mitzvahs that kind of reflect and are sort of a... Um, a uh, running record of our relationship with or the Almighty and the harmony within our lives are tefillin and mezuzot. And it is something that people do during this period of time to check their tefillin and mezuzot. Now, checking tefillin and mezuzot is not only checking to see that they are kosher, to see that they are written correctly and so on, but also to see to it that they are in the right places, that if they are tefillin, that they are worn every day other than Shabbat and Yom Tov. If they're mezuzot, that they are up on every door and that we have our <coughs> surroundings made to be and our atmosphere made to be something that is correct, that is fine, that is right, that is perfect in our build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But by the same token, perhaps those are symbols of the way that we need to check into all our deeds and all our actions all our mitzvot, to actually think about are we actually doing them all correctly. 
And then finally, and perhaps some would say most importantly, we should be focusing on deeds of kindness, acts of goodness, acts of charity, charitable things, things that we're doing for others. This, after all, is not only about me and my relationship with, with my creator, but this is also about us our relationships with each other as the children of the Almighty, as the children of God, to see to it that we have a harmonious relationship with other people, to see to it that we have peace in and amongst ourselves, and to see to it that we have the wherewithal to be able to approach Rosh Hashanah come a month from now and be able to stand there and say, God, we are ready for your blessings to be showered upon us because we have perfect uh, relationships between ourselves and our fellow men because we have really worked hard on our relationship with you, God, and because we really know that we have introspected and we have done all the cleaning up that we need to do within ourselves. Our tshuva, our tefillah, and our tzedakah are actually all ready to be the things that will push away, God forbid, any negative decrees and only herald the arrival of the wonderful, beautiful blessings that God has in store for us in the upcoming year. So I want to wish you a great Rosh Chodesh, good Chodesh. Please, God, it should be a good and full and wonderful month. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead, and I want to wish you a Shana Tova. It is already time that we can start from Rosh Chodesh Elul to wish each other a Shana Tova Umetuka, a happy, a healthy, and a sweet year. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. Same time, same place next week. Look forward to being with you on Judaism 101.9.